LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Hey everybody, welcome to Ask Me Anything. I'm Matt Love. I'm here with Pastor J.D. Greer and... And I'm here with Will Mancini, who we don't is, get an and much. We don't get an and much. We figured we would give uh, JD an opportunity to work on asking questions instead of just answering them. And yeah, so we, we temporarily changed it to a, a aha. Ask him anything. So ex- not exactly. me. Ask Will. So we're here with Will Mancini. He is the founder of Future Church Company and an author of a number of books that are all geared towards helping um, the church and church leaders and people in the church just um, live the way that God's called them to live. Books like Church Unique, Innovating Discipleship, God Dreams, Clarity Spiral Unique, and uh, newest book is called Future Church, which, Will, I said this to you a second ago, I've just been reading the last few weeks and has been really, really excellent, really, really helpful, energizing, and encouraging. So, man, thank you so much for for spending some time with us. Yeah, great to be with you guys. And I just want to add, like, you know, I feel like as a, as a pastor from time to time, you, you step back and you sort of ask, where are we going? And, you know, are we actually going to get there? And there are a few people that are as, first of all, as inspiring or as helpful in that process as, as, as Will. So, Will, um, you've been a big influence on the Summit Church, both directly and indirectly. We're very grateful for your friendship. And I don't know, you just sound like you're someone beautiful right now is that it, it, do i am i picking something up yeah yeah i'm, I'm in colorado so i'm enjoying enjoying the uh, snow out here in the mountains sunshine day here it's great great that's awesome well well basically how how we do things here is we try to ask some some hard-hitting questions man we're trying to throw some things out there and and uh we, we we're not going to be too hard on you we save the really bad ones for jd but um but but will the question we have today is are churches too focused on the weekend service. Mm. Yeah, man, way to throw way to throw a trick question there. I mean, the answer is absolutely. Now, here's the deal. We you know, we we've got to do weekend services. I love weekend services. We you know, worship, preaching the word, gathering together, it's essential. But one of the greatest logical errors is to make the part the whole. And so the problem is we are so weekend centric that we're missing the mission of Jesus, I believe. The weekend is a part of a much bigger picture, and we've got to make sure we're dialed into the bigger picture. That's really good. Um, Well, you use an analogy for that in your book that I thought was really helpful. You kind of talk about this idea of there's, in the church, there's a lower room and an upper room. And I would just love if you would unpack that a little bit for us. Yeah, it's been a very helpful master tool, and you can imagine it as a napkin sketch or a whiteboard drawing, and you just draw a two-story, you know, stick, stick figure house. And the lower room is, you know, it's the natural place where people come into the church and connect for the first time. And what we do is we talk about, you know, what motivates someone to attend their local church. And I like to ask the question is not just why do you call your church home, but what emotionally connects you to the church? So a lower room, we talk about a lower room identity, a lower room identity are those things. They're not bad things. But they're just limited things. And we talk about, you know, the place itself, the brick and mortar, the, you know, whether you've got a beautiful sanctuary or you've got, you know, cool, you know, you've kind of redone a strip center and it's, it's you know, kind of all high tech or whatever your worship center looks like. You know, people love their places. And then you've got the personality of the staff. You've got the charismatic preacher, worship leader. And sometimes people are connected to the place. Sometimes people are connected to a personality. 
So personality number two. The third thing is people might be connected to a program that's their favorite program, whether it's a kids ministry, you know, dynamic or, you know, just some style of how the worship's led or Tuesday morning, you know, women's Bible study, what have you. And then the last, what we call the kind of four P's of lower in place, personality programs. We talk about people. And that needs a little moment there because the church is obviously about people. But what we mean there is that sociological phenomenon of just wanting to be at a place where people know your name and what you can get, you know, at a local bar very quickly. So they tell me, right? Uh, just that acceptance, that first name basis. And sometimes people are only as deeply connected as I love the building. It's a close to my where I live. I love a pastor. Don't you know let that pastor leave. I love a program that church offers, or I love, you know, I got a handful of friends who I like, and I like to go hang out. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. Yep. Right. Yep. Yep. And that's how and you know about it. Bad things. <laughs> those aren't bad. Those are right. Those are bad things, but they're they're not they're not what we want people most emotionally connected to. So the upper room represents a place where people actually are excited and connected and dream. I mean, they're there. They're like, they think about this, the disciple making mission of Jesus. And they think about a local church's kind of, you know, stake in the game. Like, what are we going to do locally? What's our dream? What are we going to accomplish in our lifetime in our city? And how are we going to have gospel impact here? And so the, you know, those are, you know, and uh, you know, as, as, as you know, Matt, you know, we use a vision frame tool, five irreducible questions of clarity. And, you know, there's, you know, I'm spending every day of my life just trying to help church leaders kind of build out that upper room clarity so that people can connect there. The tragedy is that in most churches in North America, leaders haven't slowed down enough to articulate and understand and name and state and just preach over and over and over again, that upper room dynamic. So um, most people don't have an opportunity to step into an upper room in most local churches, sadly enough. So it's it's kind of that tension of do we have a consumer issue, consumer Christianity issue, or do we have a leadership clarity issue? And I like to lean into that tension a little bit, but that's the lower room, upper room dynamic. Um, it might help just to illustrate if you were to ask an eight-year-old boy, what's most important to you? All that eight-year-old boy's answers are going to be concrete and tangible things, right? You know, skateboard, Xbox, electric scooter, whatever. You know, uh, if you ask the eight-year-old parents, you know, what's what do you want most for your son? All the answers are going to be intangible. So this is a very intuitive idea, um, and it just highlights, you know, the opportunity to be dialed into the most important of the most important things. Hey, well, to go back to the very beginning, um, what, you, you know, just the, the question of how important this is for, you know, leaders, visionary leaders, um, you're going a little bit against the the grain of, I mean, you know, when I was first getting into ministry, it was, I mean, there was literally, it's the weekend stupid. That was sort of the, the thing. It was like everything else really doesn't matter as much if you don't deliver on the weekend. Are you trying to complement that perspective about the importance of the weekend? Or are you trying to to actually say you're thinking about it all wrong? Well, yeah, it's a great it's a great question. I do I do think we've inherited models of ministry where, you know, you can obviously be a rock star in evangelicalism and only have a weekend. And that's that's why I wrote wrote Future Church. So I would I would Try to precisely name it this way. I think the functional Great Commission that's crept into the mind of the average pastor is this. Go into all the world and make more worship attenders, baptizing them in the name of small groups, 
and teach them to volunteer a few hours a month. <laughs> and that is simply not what Jesus gave his life for. Right. So I, I think it's actually, I would actually, I would say that one way to state the problem is the work, the weekend has been the main, has been the main course. I mean, the weekend's the steak and everything else you do, you talk about, you know, it's like the garnish, it's the vegetable. That's actually reverse, I think, from what Jesus would, what Jesus modeled. I mean, Jesus loved gatherings, hmm. but he didn't build the future of his church on his big gatherings. Um, so I, th- I think the stake is relational disciple making. And I think the weekend service is a part yeah. of that is a very in- important part of that. But, you know, and that's that's why COVID is, you know, is, is, is crazy, as painful, as disrupting as it is. It's also a revealer and it's a gift of source to help us see, OK, how dialed in are we really to the mission of Jesus versus just you know, kind of what I call program church, you know, in, in future church. Yeah. One of the reasons we wanted to have you on here is because at, at the summit church, we, we, we went through a process about a couple of years ago, a year and a half ago, where we clarified really what our guiding values were. And one of them, um, right at the very beginning, um, it's our second one where we say, um, we're always going to prioritize reaching the one over the 99. And what that means is we always want to have a bent for going after the lost one and not just focusing on the people inside, but, you know, going after this one. But the, the next value, the value number three is that we make disciples, not converts. And it means that, you know, if we had a, a large group of converts, a large group of worship attenders, but they're not actually learning to engage the mission of God, which is not given to just the whole church, but it's also individual Christians that are learning to, to live out that mission, then um, they we're not creating what Jesus died to, to, to produce. Yeah, I, lo- I love that. Absolutely love that. So I-, I wanted to ask one quick question. You kind of mentioned a second ago how COVID has kind of maybe revealed a little bit about where we're at. But what wh- how have you seen kind of COVID impact how our churches are emphasizing or not emphasizing disciple making? Yeah, I think well, that's a, that's a great question, Matt. I, let me let me kind of give a, a scripture point of reference. I think it's um, helpful. You know, in John 6, you know, Jesus is talking about being the bread of life and you know, he kind of really throttles forward into some strong teaching. And I think Jesus is actually, you know, he's designing in a way a COVID effect in his ministry because he says this hard teaching, if you don't eat my flesh, you don't drink my blood, you won't have eternal life. And I mean, it says in John 6, you know, verse 66, it's like, hey, I mean, a lot of people just were like, I'm out of here. Like That's like, I do not know what this guy's talking about. This sounds a little gruesome, you know, a little gory. Even his disciples are thrown off center, but they're like, hey, we don't have anywhere else to go, Jesus. We believe believe in you. And in a sense, Jesus cuts down the crowds. And it's stunning. I mean, we would never think that way in North America, right? I mean, who who would ever dare, you know, want to turn people away from, from weekend, you know, attendance? And yet Jesus is not emotionally, he doesn't rely on the crowds. I mean, in a sense, the future of the church is found in the few. And Jesus deeply invested in the few. So I'm really just really after this both and dynamic, Matt, in terms of, you know, it's not about abandoning, you know, the, the, the program side of things, but it is about as leaders investing deeply into into those few. So um, that that just kind of frames or provides some context, you know, to, um, to the question that you asked there. And I don't know if that impacts the question, but. Um, you know, that that's what I want to help leaders uh, focus on is their opportunity to relationally invest deeply and to really 
um, move from a teaching center paradigm to a training center paradigm uh, to help bring new skills in the way of of living, you know, living for Jesus uh, to to everyday people. It's it's as if you know we can we've done multi-site, you know, we've done a lot of sending, we can do a lot of church planning, but is every person a site, if you will? Is every person feel like they're an authorized agent of Jesus, you know, where they live, work, and play every day? And you know, bringing it to that level is what Future Church is about. Are you convinced that after COVID? everybody's coming back to church or do you think that there's been a fundamental shift and a lot of people are going to stay in that consumer mindset of, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I, I know a lot of people who I consider to be active parts of our church who were like, yeah, I know you're reopened, but it's just easier to come down to my pajamas 15 minutes late and, and dial in. Do you think that's going to be a, right. you think it's going to be a negative effect? I, do, I see, I see it both ways. I, I see COVID as a great revealer. One one of, I think, the most helpful scriptures to understand COVID, in addition to, to John 6, is Genesis 11. So I think when, you know, was Babel an act of judgment or was it an act of grace? And it was both. You know, the you know people were gathering, and I'll, I'll swing back around to, to get to the, the question. People were, were doing the opposite of Genesis 1. Rather than filling and spreading out and multiplying, they were aggregating, coming together in their hubris and their pride against God and the Tower of Babel. So, so God confuses the languages so they can get about the first commission to spread, fill, multiply. And so in that way, Babel, the confusion of the languages was an act of grace. And I believe COVID is an act of grace as well. In as crazy as it's been, and I don't want to be insensitive to leaders who are, have navigated just the most you know, crazy year ever. It's exhausting for all of us at, at best. Um, but it's a great revealer and it's a it's a grace to shot across the bow of cultural Christianity to say, are you it's it's a great revealer. Are you are you dialed into the mission of Jesus? So, I, I mean, I think we will easily see, you know, 20 to 30 percent big impact on churches that just set, just never really got it. And they were OK with program church. And it's going to it's going to have, you know, obviously a, a significant impact and it's going to in a negative way there. But I actually think you look at the, it's, it's, you know, opposite side of the coin. It's a positive impact. And I can't believe how many churches have awoken to a, 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 a more robust, a more clear sense of, wow, we get to be a part of the mission. We get to be about the mission. So I think it's a great recalibrator. I think it's actually helping churches. And again, it's not about, it's not about demeaning or diminishing anything about our weekends. It's about putting it in the proper context of, of, of the overall mission. So I actually think COVID is one of the, the, you know, it's a gift as challenging as it is. It's a gift of calibration and alignment right now. I mean, the practical impact for me, there's no question. We accelerated it 10 years. We were already doing this. 2015 was the, the year that we felt the, the impact of our most committed people attending church less and less. And, and, and Matt, J.D., I, that, is not, I don't, that is not fundamentally a consumer problem. It's not a cultural problem. That is a church design problem. The mission of Jesus is not failing or floundering. The design of our churches is. So we have to ask the question, are we bringing value to the believer? And in 2015, we lived into five, you know, six, seven, eight years of, of, of technological revolution with the Internet. I mean, Steve Jobs put worship, you know, content in our hands free content in our hands without getting out of bed 24 seven. And now every disciple can get the best content, hundred best preachers in America 
right there without getting out of bed. That's just challenges our design. You know, are, are we relying on, you know, a gig and a talk on Sunday to get the mission of Jesus done? We've got to ask ourselves, is that is that really is that how Jesus designed his ministry? Hmm. Absolutely not. So like so this is just a, a really great opportunity, I think. Does it live on the on the personality, the contagious personality of the pastor? That's that shows a fundamental flaw in, in, in the in the approach. Yeah, we build a platform and it backfires on us all the time. Yep. That that you know, the seven laws of real church growth and future church are all perspective and paradigms. It's like looking through different lenses to, to try to deconstruct how how actually damaging our ministry model can be to the mission of Jesus. Well, hey, man, this is this is really excellent. Like we said at the beginning, I mean, all the things you're sharing are just really helpful. This book is, is really excellent. Future Church, Seven Laws of Real Church Growth, and I would definitely recommend, um, especially to church leaders, um, to, to check it out and, and read this book, and I think it's going to be really helpful. But, Will, thank you so much for taking some time to, to talk with us and answer the question, and we really appreciate what you're, what you're doing. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. Awesome. Get back to Aspen. Well, thank you so much for, for joining us. And make sure that you visit jdgreer.com for more resources from Pastor JD. Even though he wasn't answering questions today, we know that you have a lot of things that you'd love to hear from him. And so we always have helpful free download available on the homepage. And while you're on the website, you can sign up for our email list to get ministry updates, information about new resources, Pastor Jay's latest blog post delivered straight to your inbox. You don't have to think about it at all. You just get to open the email and read it. It's a great way to stay connected with Ask Me Anything and the rest of JD's ministry. So sign up when you go to jdgreer.com, and we'll see you next time on Ask Me Anything.